Welcome to the Hope Talks podcast with Grayson Willis and Pastor Margaret Michael, where you'll hear inspiring stories that are filled with hope and good news in Jesus Christ. You can find our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and TuneIn. You can also listen to episodes on our church YouTube channel. Thanks so much for listening. Welcome to today's broadcast of Hope Talks. I'm Pastor Margaret Michael. And I'm Grayson Willis. Thank you for joining us today. Happy Father's Day and happy Father's Day to my dad, who happens to be joining us today on Hope Talks, Pastor Kerry Willis. Dad, how are you doing today? I'm doing wonderful, son. Good to hear your voice. Glad you and Pastor Margaret are in the cockpit together there of the Hope Talks flight. And uh, glad I could just join up for today. And Dad's joining us via the phone today. Dad, uh, on this Father's Day, first of all, I want to say thank you for all you've done for me, all you do for me, and the example and the Christly example that you've lived for me and for our family. Kind of one of the thoughts that Pastor Margaret and I were thinking as we were talking in a little bit of preparation for today's broadcast was on being present whether that's being present with your family, being present with your kids, whoever um, you're in contact with. And we know that uh, presence is something that you care strongly about and believe strongly in. And, And also as Christians, we know that if we're present with people, that he will be present with people. Yeah, you're talking my language. Uh, I kind of tell folk I only have one string on my cello, and uh, presence is the string. That can go a lot of directions, but what I mean mostly is uh, the presence of God is the most wonderful uh, thing in the world, in my opinion. I had a funeral recently, and uh, I made a statement just kind of spontaneously, but it's from you know, the fiber of my heart, I said, uh, there is no gift like the gift of presence. And sometimes we, we try to give everything else to prove our love or to say we care. And all of the other things are fine, but I think we give too little attention, too little credit to simply showing up in people's lives. And being present to me is, is always on my mind. I'm not always as effective as I'd like to be in, in focusing on presence and making presence reality, but I always come back to it. It's kind of the default position of my, my mind, my ministry, is to just remember that uh, we can bring presence into situations. You know, presence is important. Showing up is important. I was thinking about there's a family, there's some brothers, it's a family that lives here in the valley. And so often when there is a loss of a loved one, these brothers own a business. And when there's a loss in the valley and you go to the funeral home, a lot of times you'll see these brothers there. Like they are, they're present. They really get that. Um, I've watched that over the years and they have relationship with so many people and they show up for those folk. And I was at the funeral um, that you're speaking of. And I remember just the dad of the deceased talking about um, how much it meant that people showed up and stood in that long line and just to comfort them. And we cannot discount uh, what it means to show up. And the enemy would have us be caught up somewhere in the past or somewhere in the future 
looking in the rearview mirror at regret or in fear of the future instead of just being present with people. That's where he wants to keep us. And if we can have presence of mind and show up, um, the Lord can use that in a mighty way. And it's just showing up for us. I mean, I've had people show up in my life, and it's been tremendous. Um, it's been life-changing. But some people go, well, what, what does it matter like if they won't care if I show up or not, but I've probably thought that before. What would you say to a mindset like that? That mindset of, well, well it's not going to matter if I show up or not. Like some people would just have that. They don't see the importance of their importance of being present. Yeah, I think I think that's human to think, well, who's going to miss me? Right. And there can be a certain amount of humility in that, uh, and I'm all for humility. But uh, I think uh, in my life, as you know, I've grown older and experienced more situations, people's lives. Uh, I think that my presence is one thing, mm-hmm. but I really see my life, purpose of my life, is to be a sanctuary of God's presence. Mm-hmm. And so not that God isn't everywhere at all times, but there's this partnership that he's put in place and uh, he wants us to house his spirit, his Holy Spirit. And when we come, it's a partnership of presence. It's me, but it's me plus the presence of Jesus. And so uh, when I started to see the impact of that, I'm not aware of it always, you know, but I believe in it. And so I don't have to be aware of it as long as I believe it. Mm. Other people become aware of it. That's right. And I have a lot of people say to me many times uh, something that they gained in their own life's walk because I came into the door, came into the room, came through the door. And it's always uh, still surprising to me, but not really, you know, because often I wasn't thinking that that person was even paying attention to me being there. Uh, so I know that that's a, kind of an affirmation that we do uh, carry around the dwelling of the Lord in a personal way. And so I like what he said at the house of Zacchaeus, the tax collector, stories recorded in the Gospels. He said, the Son of Man has come to seek and to save those who are lost. And I believe that the Son of Man, that was Jesus' favorite title for himself, I believe the Son of Man is still on that mission to seek and to save those who are lost. He's just doing it through our bodies now instead of through his own. And uh, that's a powerful, that's a powerful mandate on my life, I guess I'll say. And Jesus showed up that day in that story. He showed up in Jericho and uh, he showed up in the house of the most infamous man in the city. So if we find Jesus showing up, uh, I guess that we ought to be encouraged to show up as well. Uh, we see him all through scripture as he walked the earth. We see him showing up in people's lives. And he wasn't showing up to have center stage, but to sit alongside so many people. And he saw them. He took time to minister and not just be around them, but really speak truth and hope into their life. Yeah, beautiful. Yeah. The thing about showing up, too, is it's a willing heart. It's willing to be used by God to minister to others, I believe. It's whether it be, you know, there for friends or family or for even acquaintances, people that God brings into our path, just being willing. I think, like you all were talking about the funeral uh, that you were both at, you know, the presence of being there for that couple that had lost their daughter and 
just being there in the hard times and the good times, celebrating with people in the good times and sorrowing, mourning with people in tragic times. It just takes availability and it takes willingness and we can show the love of Christ to people without even having to use words a lot of times. Exactly. And there's a kind of a thought going through my mind, Grayson. Maybe there was a time in my life that uh, if I had to travel to a funeral hundreds of miles uh, to be present for my dear friends, I only kind of saw the destination. I didn't really see the journey. And uh, the Lord has widened my perspective. I have a few slogans that I try to live my life by. One is presence matters most. Another is no invisible people. They really go hand in hand. They dovetail. So these days, I don't really see the destination idea only. I think the Lord has given me a three-dimensional perspective about presence. And so while I was mainly coming uh, to comfort my friends and to officiate their daughter's funeral, I was focused on that, but not focused only on that, not focused only on them. So I could give a few examples. Please know that I'm not bragging. I'm just trying to widen the vision for maybe some of the listeners. When I was uh, at the cemetery, there was a a man who's more my age, who's had a lot of special needs in his life. And uh, the funeral directors are kind enough to give him a job. And uh, he has a lot of trouble saying words, but uh, he has a lot of presence about him. He has a, a lot of compassion. And so basically, the funeral service has hired him. They probably don't pay him very much, but they've hired him to kind of be a greeter, uh, uh, someone who focuses on the people coming to the funeral, and he just smiles, and uh, he doesn't talk a lot because talking is difficult for him. So uh, the day might have been in my life when I would walk past this man because I'm here to, you know, to be the pastor and preach the funeral and comfort the family. But now in my life, uh, I couldn't walk to the family without touching him, without uh, having a conversation with him. And by conversation, I did most of the talking. But I was affirming him after the message I preached uh, at the funeral, and he was listening. Uh, the greatest affirmation I got was he came up to me, this man that has trouble talking. He's known me my whole life. And uh, he looked at me, he strained and he strained and he strained, and he finally got the word out, that, you know, he said that. And then he strained for what seemed like, you know, 30 more seconds, and he got the word was out. And then he started straining again, and I could tell he was trying to say great, but he couldn't get the word out, so he just gave me a big thumbs up right in my face. (laughs) And uh, it moved me uh, beyond, you see, what I'm saying is I didn't miss him. But a man who can hardly talk, his presence was a highlight of my day. He showed up. And maybe some people would say, what does he really have to offer? <laughs> well, he has a lot. I think he understands that showing up uh, matters. It's not about performance. That's what this man proved to me. It's about presence. And he's a believer, and he carries the presence of Jesus. And I don't know who all he might have made a difference to at the funeral, but he made a difference to me. And I think I made a difference to him. And uh, so then, you know, not just him, though. Uh, We stopped at a a sacred place to have a meal on our journey, a Cracker Barrel. And uh, uh, the waitress that we had, uh, she was very, very precious 
uh, just had a, a beautiful way about her. And I could tell it was a hard day, probably not going well, but she was just serving us just beautifully. Now, if she hadn't served me beautifully, it wouldn't have gone different from my end. <laughs> but what I'm saying is I, I wanted her to know that I was glad that I got to be where she was, you know, no more. Better that day, won't probably see her again, hopefully, maybe in heaven. And uh, I felt the Lord saying, Bless this daughter of mine, you know, bless this daughter of mine. And me and the Lord knows what that means. And so I did what He asked me to do. And she said, May I hug you, please? (laughs) And I said, Sure, you can hug me. And she hugged me. Here's this, you know, probably an 18 year old young lady. And she said, would you do me a favor? And I said, why, sure, what? She said, can you wait before you leave? My mother works here. I want to go get her and introduce her to you. Mm. (laughs) I've never had that in my life. It's always something new with the Lord. But she had met someone, that's me, who valued her in just that short amount of time, who didn't see her as my servant. (laughs) I actually saw myself as one who would serve her. And it worked both ways, and her mother came out, and I got to bless her mother by telling her what a fine daughter she had raised, and uh, I just blessed her with words, and her mother was so tender and thanked me several times. So the sense is, it doesn't have to be just our friends who were on destination to be there for them. Uh, Jesus didn't miss people along the way. Now, I'm going to prove this with Scripture. <laughs> Not that I have to, but I want to. When Jesus was going, you know, to Jericho, maybe we could say he was going there for the tax collector, you know, Zacchaeus. But along the journey, a blind man <laughs> called out to Jesus, and Jesus stopped Um it's obvious that the blind man was on the peripheral of the journey of Jesus. Uh, Jesus was headed somewhere, eventually to the house of the rich tax collector. But along the way, the poor beggar, blind beggar, we often call him. I think that's been associated with his story. And he called out, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Son of David's the title for Jesus. And the people told him to hush. <laughs> he was a nuisance to them. But after calling out again, Jesus you know, wanted to meet him. And, of course, he's blessed, and he gave him his sight back. I I love the story. As Jesus continued on the way, here's a blind man hop, skipping along the way, you know, going with the rest of the people now. So I, I want Jesus to have that opportunity in my lifetime through me. Now, I'm not Jesus. I don't have an identity issue. But I am a carrier of his presence. This is his idea. Actually, it's his desire as well. And we call that holiness. And so uh, I want him to have an opportunity to seek and to save those who are lost. He also said uh, that the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Now, I won't give my life as a ransom for many, but I can give my life and I can allow him to give his life to me. So I know that's a little lengthy, but uh, presence is more than a word to me. It's more than a, a mission word that I put on a card and say, hand it out. It really is the way I live day to day. It is a lifestyle. It has to become, it just becomes a part of the fabric. One thing that you modeled uh, when you were on staff here, and I know that you still do this, is even if you're in a hurry, no one's probably going to know that because you're walking by people. And that's just a picture of it's easy to maybe go into a restaurant and be focused on the meal and the next thing, but being able to sense divine appointment and understanding that every person that we encounter 
is made in the image of God, right? Um, yeah, and and we don't know the divine appointments, you know. Right. Um, I have to live as if every person I encounter is going to be a divine appointment. Right. And when I say I have to, I don't really mean it that way. I get to. Yes. I get to live my life with that kind of value attached, and it adds to the value of my own life uh, because I get to value each person you know, that I might encounter that day. And it's not just seeing people either. I mean, you can be present with people and not be with them. I believe that totally. Um, one is through prayer. I think that prayer puts us <laughs> in some uh, spiritual way present with people. But I want to go into another direction. Sometimes when I'm praying, my life's kind of become a prayer, to be honest. But sometimes when I pray, I sense the Spirit saying, you know, send a text to someone, let them know that you're praying for them or they're on your mind. Uh, send an email, make a phone call, uh, write a card. Um, and I think all of that in some way, while it's not, you know, showing up, it is still in some way, it has the same DNA as presence. And uh, it means that you're not just dwelling on yourself, you're thinking about someone else. And a lot of times, if we do that small thing, send that small text message or make that short phone call or stop and just talk a couple minutes to somebody, even if we're in a hurry, it shows them how much we care about them. And there's a lot of times I've heard people say, like, whether it be a text message or what, like, you don't know how much that meant to me. Like, we think nothing of it, but it meant a lot to that person. So anytime the Lord puts somebody on our mind, whether it's to pray for them or to reach out to them in a small way, um, we need to be obedient to that because uh, we never know what kind of impact that can have on somebody's life. Yes, and uh, I think that uh, this uh, idea, Grayson, is, um, you know, when we live with this mindset, choose this lifestyle, as Pastor Margaret said, in a way, it's a little bit like fathering people. <laughs> uh, this is Father's Day. But uh, what does a loving father do? A loving father is focused more really on his family than he is on himself. Uh, he's focused on his children, and certainly a mother is. <laughs> so I, I think in some ways, this idea of presence, you know, understanding how essential presence is and to care for each person and and no invisible people, I think it begins to give to people the idea that I belong. Uh, I am family. I want people to say, you know, Carrie Willis treats me like he's my family or something. Because I, I don't really treat, quote unquote, non-family members different than I treat my family, really. I mean, maybe I don't know them as well, and uh, I don't you know, live where they live or live with them or, you know, that kind of a thing. But I want to be the same person with those that I am just encountering as I am with those who know me most, and vice versa. You know, I want it to go both ways. So when the Crackle Barrel waitress looked at me and said, may I hug you? My wife is sitting right there. She's not bothered by that. This is how I am at home. And, uh, I mean, she would kick me on the shin if I didn't jump up and hug this waitress. And she'd be like, why are you not being yourself? So the sense is that there's a genuineness of it. Now, the people who would choose this idea just to make themselves look good or, you know, some political game, want to be important, you know, whatever. Now, that's the wrong motivation. Uh, the motivation that I have is 
if people haven't thought about Jesus today, maybe through my life, he will give them a thought about himself. And that's what I'm, I'm hoping. The funeral that we keep coming back to, as difficult a funeral as I have ever had in my ministry, and I say in a lot because I've been in ministry now for 30-some years, I guess, 30 at least. Uh, the situation was my best friends from childhood, my best friend and his wife, she's been my best friend as well since high school. They have one daughter. They adopted her 25 years ago. And uh, uh, on May 7th, uh, someone took her life. Uh, she didn't take her own. Someone took her life. and uh, It was a real difficult funeral. I don't think any of the funeral workers were looking forward to the funeral, including the speaker, uh, those who sang, those who you know served on the peripheral. It's just one of those things that you just assume not come, you know. Uh, but you can't not come because you love these people. So love compelled me to come and probably others. Well, when I was on my way back uh, home from the funeral that night, I get a text and, and it says, is this Carrie Willis? Well, you know, with all the spam and all that stuff, I'm like, you know, I don't know if I answer this or not. Maybe I should block this person. Mm-hmm. But I went back and read it, thank goodness, before I blocked it, and it said, is this Pastor Carrie Willis? <laughs> At first, I thought it just said Carrie Willis, and that could have been anybody, but I thought, wow. And so I texted back, and I said, yes, and who's asking? <laughs> and uh, it happened to be. Uh, the young man who played the violin at the funeral, his music encouraged me in part to do what I had to do. The Lord knows I love violin music. And uh, he played the solo on It Is Well In My Soul yeah. <laughs> just before I got up to speak. And uh, that combined with a prayer that a dear friend had sent me that morning, uh, someone who's been praying for me for the better part of these 30 years I've been in ministry, uh, Angela Sipe is her name. Uh, she's on staff there with me and was my assistant for 24 years, 23 at least. But um, this violin music had really helped me. And when I was heading to the gravesite, I saw the violinist and told him, you know, just quickly how much I enjoyed that and how it helped me. And, he didn't get to say much to me. We talked just a few minutes. Well, this was him. And I want to read to you the text. I think he'd be fine with it. It doesn't hurt that his name is Christian. Uh, <laughs> he said, brother, this is Christian. I played the violin today, and I wanted to tell you how much your message touched me. I was dreading the service, to be truthful, and all the anxiety and emotions surrounding it. But I left with joy and hope, and I was glad to be in the house of the Lord today. I'm so sorry for the loss, but I'm thankful I got to be a part of the service and most thankful for getting to hear you speak. Thank you. Now, see, if I thought I was only there... (laughs) To comfort the family, I would have been surprised that the violinist sent me that message. <laughs> yeah. But I was there for whoever would be comforted, and it wasn't me really doing the comforting. I was partnered with the Spirit of the Lord. Uh, but the whole idea of the sanctuary again, that the, now Christian knows and I know that what he was saying was, I got to hear you. Well, he got to hear the message that Jesus wanted to speak through me. Because before I went in the pulpit, we had a little short prayer time with few people. And I prayed a prayer that I pray often. I prayed, Lord, I want you to take your nail-scarred hand. I want you to stick it in the back of my head like a ventriloquist dummy. And I want you to say all the things you want to people to hear today. <laughs> so that's the partnership of prayer. That's a good word, Dad. Yeah, that was, I don't think that 
anyone was probably looking real forward to being at that service. But it is amazing how that we know that God is already what the you know the enemy would intend for evil. God can use for the good of those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. Um, yes, Pastor Margaret, and those that we model this lifestyle around, regardless of what their place is in life, they understand that they also have a platform of presence, you know, uh, that their life can play a part in this partnership of presence. Yeah. And when Angela sent me the text, she worked alongside me long enough that she knew that her part in supporting me in ministry and praying for me in ministry was as essential as what I would go do, you know, what, mm. what my part would be. Yeah. Every part is different, you know, that's the whole idea of the body, you know, <laughs> all the parts working together. But I, I think she'd be okay if she's not sure forgive me. Uh, this is what she sent me uh, that morning. And this is what she said to me uh, a couple hours before I would preach the funeral service. Uh, she said, it's a hard day. I realized that. But you were made for days like this. Your gift of compassion and words used to express God's intentions for us is necessary and life-saving. I know you'll be exhausted in all ways after today, but I will be praying for you before, during, and after. <laughs> mm. That's partnership and presence. Yes. Partnership in the ministry of presence. That's exactly what it is. And I close my, my message by telling the people who would come to the funeral on this hard day that when you came, you didn't know you were bringing a gift. Yes. And the gift you brought was your presence. And some came and also the presence of Christ in them, you know. Right. So as you wrapped that message up yesterday, and I think it's just a beautiful way maybe even to wrap up this segment, you talked about, well, we're talking about relationship today. And, you know, Paul wondered if he loved enough. He wondered if he loved too much. You know, that was just, we all have questions, and he's on the other side of that relationship. But we have relationships that we can still invest in and maybe need to. Maybe some are listening that have not been present with someone because of a disagreement or whatever the case may be. And today is Father's Day. And a couple of things you said at the end, if I don't have it right, you can correct me. Live like tomorrow is uncertain because it is. Live like life is short because it is. Live like death is certain, because it is. <laughs> live like eternal life is precious, because it is. And live like the world to come is forever, because it is. Well, you took good notes. But you said yeah, something. Exactly. You said something else, and I don't think I got that 100% right, so I'm not going to quote you on it. You talked about choosing where you will go after this life. What did you say? Yeah, I have said that basically, uh, if we have lived for Christ, and Christ lived in us, uh, when it comes to the end of our life, uh, we shouldn't be fearful about going home. Yeah. You know? Um, so the idea is for us, we know where our home is. And I said, but you want to choose your home carefully because uh, it will be forever. Yes. And there are two, there are two eternal homes. Um, home in one sense, is everything beautiful, and home in the other sense is everything awful. And so I, I talked about how my mother said this life is just a dressing room, you know, for the life to come. 
And so we really need to be prepared for eternity. And uh, sometimes the enemy, or all the time, the enemy wants us to live where we think this life is all there is, you know, and it just doesn't make any sense, you know. Uh, Eternally, it makes no sense. Now, I'm all for living life to the full, you know. Uh, I think that those who have decided uh, where they're going to spend eternity live the fullest life on earth, in my opinion. The ones who have decided I'm going to live forever in a heavenly home. So the idea is that uh, we want to make sure that the enemy doesn't deceive us. And uh, that's why I listed those five things about uh, tomorrow's uncertain, life is short, death is certain, uh, eternal life is precious. I was saying life is precious, but eternal life is really precious. And the world to come is forever. And uh, I think as a father, I, I hope and believe I instilled those ideas in my children's minds and the way they think that uh, my mother did it for me my dad did it for me and uh, I hope that we don't lose sight of eternity and I did say this also uh, Pastor Margaret I I said you know I outlived faith that was the daughter you were talking about Paul Paul was the father he said he didn't know if he loved faith too much Mm. Uh, it was a beautiful tender vulnerability but uh, I said at the end you know faith is 25 and I'm north of 60. And I said, you know, basically, who would have thought I would out there faith? But really, uh, when compared to eternity, it's no big deal. Right. You know, because every life is short compared to eternity. That's right. That's right. Well, Dad, thank you for joining us today. And thank you uh, for sharing. And thank you for your presence in my life. And, and um, in mine. <laughs> and expressing uh, God's presence, showing God's presence. Thank you for listening to today's broadcast of Hope Talks. Uh, we pray that as you've heard my dad, Pastor Kerry Willis, share uh, that it truly has been a half hour of hope for your life. May God bless. Hope Talks is sponsored by Church of the Nazarene Harrisonburg in partnership with Sunshine Ministries. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Hope Talks. If you're enjoying this podcast, please subscribe for all the updates and latest episodes. Also, if you're in the Harrisonburg or Rockingham County area, we invite you to listen on the radio each Sunday at noon on 1470 AM or 102.1 FM WBTX.